doing God's will. I, I want to make sure that I know exactly what God wants me to do, and I'm doing it. Um, when my beginning of my ministry, I was 21 years old when I went overseas uh, for the first time as a missionary, and people told me, asked me constantly, aren't you scared to go into a communist country as a young man such as that? Um, aren't you afraid of what's going to happen to you and, and all this stuff that's going to happen? Um, you, I pastored a church that the previous pastor was killed by under communism. I said, aren't you afraid of that? And Warren Wisby is one of my favorite theologians of old. He has a quote, a famous quote that says this, the safest place in this world is being right where God wants you to be. You know where the safest place for me was in, in March of 1994 in Romania? Because that's exactly where God had me to be. Even though that it was in a difficult place at a difficult time in a difficult part of the world, I was safe because it was exactly where God wanted me to be. The most dangerous place for me to have been in March 1994 would have been Jacksonville, Florida. Because that's where I was wanted to be in my flesh. But God put it in my way and gave me a clear understanding. This is his will for my life. And because I did that, I got to experience what it means to be in that safe place. The will of God for our lives comes from the heart of God. God is not going to put something on you that's evil and hurtful. He chooses your will and has your will chosen, and that will comes from his heart because he loves you. We don't know today how long we're going to live. Not one of us. We have no idea. There's people that... Um, say to me that they would love to know the day they're going to die so they could be ready for that day. Man, I don't want to know. I have no desire of knowing what day that is. But what I want to be able to do is what? Be ready for that day. When that day does come. So we don't know how long we're going to live, but yet we don't know how long we're going to live, but we yet still make plans. So I want to read to you James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And I want to show you how important it is that even though we know that we're not always going to be here, that me and you are still making plans today. Verse 13 says this um, of James um, chapter, chapter 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to, for him to know who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. We can't um, leave the Lord out of our plans. We can't do that. James was not against planning. He was not anti-people who make lists at all. That's not what the scripture that we're reading says. He's not against planning, but he is against leaving God out of our plans. 
So what we want to see today is James is pro proposing to us that it is very dangerous and far from God for me and you to make a plan and do not allow God to be the head and director of that plan today. So how, um, how do we do this? He gives us an illustration in a couple verses here about some men who have made some business plans, some decisions on how to take care of their lives. So we get a look in on their business plan to be able to compare it to our own personal plan as well to see what God is doing. So there's some things that we can observe from this plan. Let's start out in verse, um, verse 13. It says, come now, you, if you wouldn't go ahead and push that button for me, come now, you who say today or tomorrow. And I want you to see the next part. We will go. I want you to bring your attention to that. We will go to such a city, such and such a city, spend a year there, Keep go back over there, stay on that verse if you don't mind. Um, we're trying a new system out and it's hard to go through. That's okay, it's sticky. But the very first thing we look at is this. Who makes the decisions? <laughs> Who wears the pants in your house? Well, all of us do, brother. Nobody wears dresses anymore, amen? Um, really, who wears the pants in your house, right? Uh, who makes the decisions, right? Who, who does all this stuff in your life? And so the question is this, and the problem that you have when you observe this business plan is this, we will go. What is happening is this, these men were making decisions on their own. Our biggest problem today when we make a business plan, when we make a plan of our family, when we make a plan of our own personal life, we make the decisions on our own and say we will go. We're going to find out that's the problem we have in our plans. It's that we're trying to make the decisions instead of allowing God to lead us and be the decision maker in our lives every single day. The second difficulty we see here in the situation goes on to the next part of the verse. To such and such a city and spend a year there. Not only was they were making their own decisions saying we're going to go, we're going to do this, I'll do this, I'll do that. But then they also say where they're going to go and, um, and how long they're going to stay there. So who knows what's going to happen? These people were so definite that they wanted to, they knew what they were going to do and they knew where they were going to go and how long they were going to stay there. But what they did not have the possibility of knowing, just like me and you don't have a possibility of knowing, that city may not even exist next year. It might be taken off the whole face of the earth. You have no control over that situation whatsoever. You may think you're going to be here forever, but that's not a possibility. I know I'm going to drive you crazy with this over the next four years, but hang in there, amen. We're already crazy. But I'm going to get to go to Ephesus here in a few days, and I'm going to be in the city of Ephesus. What's so amazing about the city of Ephesus is that it's not, over, it's not there anymore. It's just ruins. Just a... 2,000 years ago, it was the capital of what? The world. It's where the cool people went on vacation. I mean, this is where everything was the most beautiful thing in the world. And here, the cool people still go on vacation there. That's what you're thinking, ain't it? Okay. 
um, it was everything. But here, 2,000 years later, it's what? It's nothing. They used to be on the ocean. They had oceanfront property. Now the ocean is three miles away. That's a realtor's nightmare. It's just gone. They were the people who lost their first love in who? Jesus Christ. And completely everything is different. You know what? They say we're going to go to such and such city and we're going to serve, we're going to work there for a year. You don't know if that city's even going to be there. You don't know if you have a year left. You can't make that decision. That's not up to you. That's not in your power to do that at all. But then he continues on in the third part of the verse. It says we're going to buy and sell and, and make a profit. So not only did he say where we're going to go, we're going to go to such and such city. We're going to spend a year there. But then he's also going to promise that there's going to be a profit made by the work they're going to do in that city. You know what? That's what me and you make a mistake about the most. You know what we tell God? Well, this is the plan that I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how you're going to bless me doing what I want to do. But not only do you tell God the plan, but you tell God how he's going to bless you by doing your plan. But you know what? James is going to share with us. That's not how it works. God tells us the plan, and then he blesses us when we do his plan. But me and you are sitting back saying, oh, this is my plan. This is how I decide I want to do it. Now you have to tell, bless me for doing what I want to do. Who are you? Who's in charge? Who do we think that's running this place? What we need to understand is that it's not me that is in charge but it is God who is in charge. We think it's going to work and that everything depends on me and how hard I do work. But one thing that he wanted to share, go to that next one if you don't mind. There. They're in a different world up here on me. It's okay. We have the ability today to think we're better than we are, that we control more things than we actually control. You know what? What James is teaching us is this. Even though you have a feeling that you're in charge, you're not in charge. But what James is saying is not to belittle us. What James is saying is not to make us look like we're inferior beings who don't. But what James is allowing us to understand is this. We don't have to be in charge. God is able to see around the corner. God is able to know exactly what he called us to do. God sees all those things, and he is able to make the right decision because he sees it all. And what me and you get to do is to allow him to be in charge, to allow him to carry you and I to where we need to be. We need to get to the point where I don't want to be in charge, but I want God to direct my path. I want God to take me where we want to be. James said it's wrong for us to try to do this on our own, so he proposed a right way. Instead of doing this, saying this is what I'm going to do, and this is where I'm going to go, and this is how you're going to bless me, he said we ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, we shall live and do this or that. This statement 
recognizes the primary role of God in a person's plan. God is the one who gives us the plan. God is the one who gives us the ability to do his plan. And God is the one who blesses us with that plan. And we put our trust in him. We cannot make and implement our plans and be assured that it will work right without God being right in the middle of them. We can't make God bless our plans. He blesses his plans. We need to quit screaming at God and being angry at God because he's not blessing what we do. We need to start doing what he's called us to do and understand that's when he's going to bless us is when we follow him today. To some people, this is a form of control and a lack of freedom. God doesn't encourage my creativity. He doesn't want me to do whatever I want to do. And that's why we don't, people don't consult God because they're afraid if they consult God in their planning that, that he'll make them do something that they don't want to do. And that's why they want God to stay out of their way majority of believers today, and I'm saying believers, will live this way in that they want God to stay completely out of their lives until they need him. Until there's an emergency, until there's a sickness, until there's a death, until there's a tragedy, just keep your distance and let me make my decisions how I want to live and what I want to do but then when the wheels fall off, I need you to come and put these wheels back on for me. Unfortunately, that's not how it's ever, ever going to work. Um, most people want to be in charge and they want to be their own God. But I don't want to be my own God. I have not yet created a heaven. Have any of you all? I, I do not have a paradise. And I have not given my only begotten son. But I know a God who loves me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Today, James is going to give us two simple reasons why we cannot ask God to stay out of the way. Two simple reasons why we cannot ask God to mind his own business and stay out of our business. Two simple ways why we need God all up in the middle of our business. The very first one we see in verse 14, it says this, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The first reason is this. We don't have any idea of what the future holds. Ain't none of us knows what's coming around the next corner of your life. Every single one of us have been taken back by what something has happened in our life. There's been a phone call that you have received in the past that changed your life forever. There's been a knock at your door in your heart that changed your life for absolutely ever. None of us have any clue what's around the next corner. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27 in verse 1, 
Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. There is no right that me and you to have to be excited and boastful about what's going to happen tomorrow because tomorrow is not here yet. And we don't have any clue what's going to happen tomorrow in our lives. You may plan your life without God, but there is no guarantee that you may even have a life tomorrow. You may plan your life and ask God to stay out of it, and tomorrow you may not even be here in this world. We never know what the future holds. And if you never know what the future holds, it is extremely important to stay close with the one who holds the future. You need to stay close to the one who holds tomorrow and allow him to lead us in the way that me and you should go. The Bible says in, the, in Psalms 119.105, Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. How in the world do we know more about what God's plan for our life is? The more we dig into God's holy word, the more light that we have in front of us to know in what direction to go. Because his word is a light into my path, a lamp into my feet. He, his word directs us in the way that me and you should go. And we need to plan our life with God's will in mind, allowing him to direct every single one of our steps. And the second thing is this, we don't have any control of how long our life will be. That scares people to death. When I talk about how people don't, can't control how long they live, people get nervous. And I don't understand why that comes to a shock for us. But it does. We have no possibility to add a minute to any one of our lives. Just like you cannot add an inch to your height. There's no possibility that you can add time to the life that you've given, that has been given to you. There's been appointed a, a unto man once to die, and then the judgment. We don't have, know how much time God has allowed us, so it is very possible that the majority of us have made a long-term plan for a short-term life. And I know that sounds morbid, and I know that it sounds scary but we simply need to realize the reality that our life is but a vapor and I want to read to you from Luke chapter 12 verses 16 through 21 a very familiar story that I hope most of you all have heard many times in your life then he spoke a parable to them saying the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful and though with a thought, and a, he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But listen, but God... But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? This farmer had been blessed by God. His cup runneth over. His barns were completely filled. And he thought instead of being thankful for what God has done for him, 
and bring honor and glory to God. He started making plans. But he left God completely out of all of his plans. He did not allow God to guide. or Even though God is the one who brought the crops and gave the, the stuff, he left God completely out of the rest of the process. And he said to himself, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. You know what time it is? <laughs> it's time to ease. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But what he did not know was that very night, the Bible says, Fool, your soul will be required of you. And the Lord Jesus asked a question. And who's going to end up with all this stuff? Because he ain't taking any of it with him. You know what? None of us, absolutely none of us, know when that day is that our soul is going to be required for us, from us. So if none of us know what day that is, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus Christ. Because we have no idea when our soul will be required for, from us. So we don't know. We don't have that time. And what's most amazing is this. We don't have that time, but God does. We don't know what's around the next corner, but God does. So why in the world do I think I'm better to make this decision without any of that information than a God who has all that information that who can make that decision in our place? We need to trust in the Lord today. The Bible says we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I don't know anybody who realizes in most of our lives today that our life's like a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. But it's the truth of the matter, very simply, it, it is. Um, I believe we must always remind ourselves that what we are doing today as born-again believers is that we're just passing through this place. Even though we love Louisa, Kentucky, and Fort Gay, West Virginia, even though this has been a, a great place to raise our kids and to be raised, you know what? This is not our home. We are just passing through. We're citizens of heaven, which is our home, and that's where we are headed today. And while we're just passing through, we need a travel guide. As, as we, need, we need to know where to go and how to take care of that. Aren't you thankful God's given us a travel guide? The Holy Spirit that directs our path. God's holy word that we can open up and know the direction that he would go. He wants to take care of us as we're just passing through this land. So how do we make plans? According to God's will. And I want to share these things with you as we understand how important it is that when we do make plans, that we make plans according to God's holy will. The very first thing that we've learned is what we've learned over the last couple of weeks in Scripture. The way that we make plans according to God's will is first, is that we humble ourselves. In every difficulty, in all the plans that we have made and left God out of them in the past, 
the reason that we have left God out of our plans in the past is the pride that is in us. That we're able, we're smart enough, we're strong enough, and we have enough resources to do this on our own. So in our pride, we do not even think to ask God because we think we're able to do this on our own. The very first thing we do when we're making plans according to God's holy will is this, is that we humble ourselves. We allow that God is God, allow, remind ourselves that God is God and we're not. That he is able to see what's around the next corner and we can't. He knows when it's the day that our soul is required of us and we don't know what that day is. But he has all this information. So because he's God, I humble myself under his mighty hand and allow him to direct me in the way that I should go. And not only that, but then we see the Bible from last week, we submit ourselves, we surrender ourselves to the Lord, knowing that he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be submitted to. He is worthy to be surrendered to. And then after we know that he's worthy, then we are willing to do that what he has called us to do. I hope I don't offend anyone, but God is not going to reveal his will to you if you're curious. He does not reveal wills to curious people. What do I mean by that? If you sat down with someone, with God Almighty, and say, if, just, uh, just in case, if I would humble myself and surrender myself, what would it be that you'd want me to do? And you tell me, God, what the, if I would humble myself and surrender myself and be willing to do it, what is it exactly that I would be doing? So I'm curious what that is so that I can figure out if I would want to do that. So if you ask God in curiosity, God, if I would surrender myself to you, what would I be doing? You know what you're going to hear? Crickets. Nothing. You know why? Because we're sinners. Because we would be like, all right, God, give it to me. What, what do you think? What, I, what you, I want what's behind door number two. Well, door number two is going on the mission field on the other side of the world. Okay, God, let's try door number three. Right? Let, let's try another door. Let's try this right here. God is not going to reveal his will to who? curious he is going to reveal his will to the one who is willing to do his will why because the will that he has for your life it comes from his heart and it is created exactly just for you and that will is perfect his perfect will and he wants me and you to be ready to be humbled that God has even given us a will that God has a will for us. He wants me and you to be surrendered, ready to do that will. But not only that, God wants us to be willing, ready to do that which he's called us to do. And the second thing that we need to be ready to do is pray. 
Unfortunately, that's a part that we need help on the most. Because simply this, we need to seriously talk to God and ask God, what is the will for my life and my life? You need to have that communication with God, that time alone with God, to be able to know what His will is for your life today. And people tell me all the time, you know what, I would love to do the will of God in my life, but I don't know what the will of God is in my life. And I really struggle with that because me and you love information in every other part of our life. If I give you, um, if there's something out there that stumps you that you don't know an answer to, if, if someone asks a question that you really don't know what the answer to that question is, man, I know people that dig deep to try to figure out what the answer is to this, how this works and how that works, and all the stuff in the world. Man, and they'll, do, they'll work hard until they get to the bottom of that problem and figure it out because it's just driving them nuts to try to figure out how, how to handle that situation. Listen. If you really know, want to know the will of God in your life, you will not give up until you find it. You will search the scriptures from the beginning to the end. You will stay upon your knees and pray and seek God's face. You will not stop until you find and hear from him today. And that's wanting to know what God wants you to do. And that's why we need to pray. I'm not saying one prayer is going to do it. Lord, what's your will for my life? That's it. I'm saying seek. And how do you do that? And that's the third thing is this. We need to dig into God's holy, holy word. God's will for our lives is written in the scriptures. And I know you're going to say to me, how is that even possible? Because I would not even hear when the scriptures were written. So how is God's will for my life written and revealed to me by the scriptures? Why? Because God's living word is what? Living. It cuts both, both coming and going. It is alive today. And it is exactly what we know. God knows the best. He knows what lies ahead of us and he knows how much time we still here have here on earth and when we dig into God's word we know more about God and the more we know about God the more we know about ourself our problem is this most of us think we know ourselves better than anybody else does some of you are ugly as you can be and you don't even know it I got your attention. Half of you are asleep. Some of you are pretty as you, as you can be and you don't even know it. And you're trying to figure out which one's which. Amen. You know, you, we don't know ourselves like we really think we do. But you know what? The more we read God's holy word as we find out is God is the one who knows us better than anybody in this world. He knows everything about us. He knows every head. It's on our head, hair on our head. He knows every tear that you've ever cried, and he's bottled them up. He knows every worry that you've ever had. He's heard every prayer that you've ever prayed. And the more we know about God, 
the more we know how much he truly loves us and that he has a plan for us. And what we want to do, the more we know about God and the more we know about his plan, the more we'll want to do that which he has called us to do. And how do we do that? We ask him. If it's the Lord's will today, we will live and do this or that. Today, our desire should be that we would know the Lord's will in our life so that we would be able to do that today. But there is no, ignorance is no excuse. Going down the road here on, on July 4th, um, I drive my kids crazy. No matter how old they are, when they're old down, old and crepit, I'll still send them the same text. On every holiday, I'll send out a text, a reminder that policemen are out and giving speeding tickets today. Any dads out there that still do that? You know why? Because we pay the insurance bill. That's the reason why. And I, I say, and I tell them, and I learned something. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell this. But they have something called a federal overtime, F-O-T, is that what it's called, you guys out there? And these policemen get paid this federal overtime, and they have to write X amount of tickets per hour to get, that, get paid their overtime. You know what? They're going to give you a ticket if it hair lips the Pope, right? Because they're going to get their overtime, amen? I don't doubt it. I would too. And so all these texts that dad's been sending you over the years, they're real. And they are wanting to give people tickets on July 4th and Christmas. And if I was working on Christmas and July 4th and everybody else eating hot dogs, or I'd give you a ticket too. You know what I'm saying? That's pitiful. What are you doing out? Go do something else. You know what I'm saying? But when the cop pulls up beside of you, he always asks the same question. And if I worked for the Kentucky State Police, I'd change this. Because they walk up to the car and they say this, how you're doing today? <laughs> you know, I was doing okay. But things look like it's going kind of downhill, you know, from here, right? Then they ask the second question, and it's this, do you know how fast you were going? Even though you're, you and Jesus are just like this, you're like, I, I think I was, I was going 55 miles an hour. Well, no, you wasn't, sweetie. Uh, try 87. Well, I was just keeping up with traffic. Well, uh, Dale Arnhart's in heaven. You know, what traffic was you keeping up with? You know what I'm saying? And, and, all, and they make liars out of us. And then you say, well, I really didn't know what the speed limit was. I got, a, got pulled over by a gentleman in Catlicksburg in the trap. And I told him I didn't know it was 35 mile an hour. And he said, really, you didn't know it was 35 mile an hour? I said, I know it, but it's stupid. <laughs> but it is. You know what I'm saying? It's just wrong to have that, that miles an hour right here anyway. But ignorance is not an excuse for what? For not knowing the law. You're still going to pay the ticket even though you didn't know. I want to share this from the bottom of my heart. Even though you don't know God's will for your life, there does not change the fact that God has a will for your life. 
you can say, well, I don't know it. I can't do it. <laughs> no excuse. God still has a purpose for you. He still has a will for you. And today, you can know what God's will is and how beautiful it is. And the greatest thing you can know is this. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, as I go through the ivy here, tells us something so amazing that I hope you'll never forget. Just like I asked you at the beginning, if you would never forget that he is worthy, he is. I want you to know in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says this, these things have been written for you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. There's a whole bunch of things that you may know today. And I, someone was telling me a story about a lady that bought a $25,000 piano the other day. Wow, $25,000. Danny Ash could tear that thing apart, couldn't he? He'd beat the snot out of it. And she bought this $25,000 piano, and they brought it to her house, and they set it up, and, and they set it in her living room, built a little, stool, little thing uh, on it real nice and fixed up. And they said, you want to play it? See how it sounds? You know what she said? Well, I don't know how to play the piano. I'm hoping to figure it out. Wow, I would have started with an organ. One of the little bitty ones, you know what I'm talking about? That's where I would have started. But man, she went all in. Because you know why? Because she wants to be able to play a, plan, a piano. She's committed. Because you know what? If she's going to quit, I can't quit. Pay 25 grand. I'm not an idiot. I'm going to learn how to play this piano. And she's learning how to play that piano. She can do it. Hope so, anyway. <laughs> but there's a lot of things you may know. But the greatest thing that you'll ever know today is that you can have eternal life. Because there's not one of us that's promised tomorrow. There's not one of us even know what's going to happen tomorrow. So the greatest gift that was given to me and you is this, that you can know you can have everlasting life. That you can know that Jesus Christ has saved you from your sins and he's prepared a place for you in paradise. The moment then we're absent from this body, we're present with the Lord. That's the best thing you'll ever know. And I hope you do not leave this place today without knowing that you have eternal life that you've been saved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your sins have been forgiven. You know, we have a God who loved us so much that he gave us a way. And that way is the truth and the life. And his name is Jesus. Stop unbelieving and start believing in Jesus Christ. This is our invitation, and this invitation is open. 